millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And we're off to the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where our resident vet, Jane Pickett, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon. And, and you are welcome. Let's get straight into questions. Margaret was on to say her dog had the kennel cough jab in November of last year, but then he ended up getting kennel cough in September of this year. He, she's wondering, should the kennel cough jab be given more than once in a 12-month period? Oh, this is a really interesting one. Um, so kennel cough protects you from a number of different things, mainly uh, a little bacterium called Bordetella a number of other things also. It's very much like the flu vaccine for humans. So it covers the most bases it can, so the most infectious agents that might cause kennel cough, so classically kind of a harsh, raspy, sudden-onset cough um, in dogs that might have had contact with other dogs with similar symptoms. Um, but sometimes, very much like the flu vaccine, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily cover every single thing that can cause a canine cough. Some of the things that it protects against, it's actually... It, its main role is to reduce the symptoms. So sometimes the dogs can actually still get that particular cause of, of viral or bacterial canine cough. But if they've had the kennel cough jab, essentially, their symptoms will be much, much, much less than they would have been had they not. So it's still absolutely worth doing. It also means that they'll shed the kennel cough less, so they're less a risk to, let's say, dogs that they might come into contact with. However, if your dog does have kennel cough, it's really important that until their symptoms subside, um, that they, they don't have contact with other dogs. Now, always under the kind of direction of a vet for kennel cough treatment, it's always worth giving them a call if you think your dog has a really sudden onset, harsh hacking cough. It's best to call in advance. Like, I would never turn up to a practice with a with a kennel cough dog because they, they are potentially infectious to, to other dogs. I, it's so obviously highly, it's it highly contagious. It can be highly contagious, yes, yeah, depending okay. on exactly what the cause of the, of the kennel cough. Now, there's lots of other causes of cough, whether it be lung disease or heart problems, but certainly, certainly a sudden onset cough in a very social dog that might meet lots of other dogs, is, is kennel cough is top of my list. Now, it is therefore possible that they still can catch a kennel cough within the 12 months that will be covered by that booster, because normally the kennel cough lasts for 12 months. Um, as an immunisation. But as I say, some of the things it protects against, its main role is not to protect completely because it might not be possible for that particular bacteria or virus, but to reduce the symptoms and to reduce the shedding. So it's still absolutely 100% a really great thing to do. 
keep your dog as healthy as possible and particularly let's say in our in our dogs that might have any kind of uh, very similar to humans in any of our let's say at risk population older dogs very social dogs um, they would be really high risk for getting canine cough but uh, as a standard it's something I normally recommend to most of my patients because a lot of the time even if they're only meeting one or two dogs down the wood or in the park you know, they're still classified as a social dog they're still at risk um, so it's definitely a good thing to get done but it does require an annual booster Okay, and ha- moment, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, at the moment actually it's really interesting a lot of people worry about giving kennel cough because classically it was a little um, little bit of liquid that had to go up the nose and it was a bit uncomfortable maybe at times there was a bit of snorting and sniffling and, and let's say moving of the head around and dogs mightn't have wanted to get the kennel cough but in the last few years there's actually a great new product which we just put into the side of the mouth so it's entirely stress free Ah well done actually. well done and I'm thinking the reason it's called kennel cough is because of the contagious nature of it is it you go into a kennel and it would spread across all the dogs Exactly, and that's why people always think, oh, if he's not going into the kennels, he doesn't need kennel cough. He does. But once upon a time, that might have been true when dogs might have been the social beings there are now going everywhere with us. But certainly, if your dog meets any other dogs at all as in contact, they should definitely have the kennel cough vaccination. Okay, this is from Karen in Carrig Tuhill. A cat who strayed into them, she reckons it was about four years ago, very fussy eater, will only eat chicken. She's trying everything to get the cat onto dry nuts, but it's not working. Would you have any suggestions, please? Okay, so there could be one of two things going on here. So first and foremost is chicken is probably the tastiest thing we can give to a cat. So (laughs) this little cat is living the life of Riley and has very much landed on his feet. So it may be that he's got a taste for it to a certain degree um, and will kind of turn his nose up at at anything else, be it cat nuts or otherwise, because he knows the good stuff is on the way if he holds out long enough. So part of it could be that. But I would just make sure that there's not anything underlying. So let's say chicken is nice and easy to chew, whereas cat nuts require a little bit of chomping to break down. So that would just make me in the back of my mind think, oh, is there maybe a little bit of dental pain? So there might be a little bit of a toothache. So I think if you're in any doubt, talk to your vet and just get them to do a general physical exam. They can even do that as part of their, let's say, annual vaccination physical exam. Um, and, and just let them know that there are maybe some concerns as regards the diet and what your cat will will eat willingly but it may just be preference because we've we've had the tastiest chicken on the planet or it may be that there might be something that's causing let's say a little bit of discomfort chewing giving them that preference but would you worry about the nutrition of the cat if it's just eating chicken a little bit long term yeah i think it's not exactly a balanced diet so in an ideal world very much like our listener is trying to do getting them onto a, a cat nut or a cat pouch would be the best thing to do because that is balanced if we only ate kind of one food type for the rest of our lives, we might begin to suffer from, let's say, nutritional deficiencies, not enough protein, not enough fat, minerals, vitamins. And it's very much the same for our dogs and cats. So a good, balanced commercial diet is usually the best. OK, Cork City uh, listener. My six-month-old male cat has gone missing for the last couple of hours. Can't find him anywhere. Will he come back? Mm. OK, so the first thing I do is really... Time is of the essence. If he's normally a cat that's, let's say, in and out and, let's say, has access to the outdoors, it might just be that he found something particularly interesting to do outdoors and he might just wander back through your door this evening. That's a possibility. If he's a purely indoor cat that has somehow managed to escape, I'd be a little bit more concerned. The best thing to do, really, is to go around all the all the neighbours, socially distanced, of course, and just ask them to check their sheds, garages, outbuildings, um, just in case he's become trapped anywhere. Um, other things you can do are, uh, I suppose some of it's old wives' tales, but I think some of it 
blankets or beds, popping those outside because sometimes the scent will be carried by the wind. So if he's got a little bit lost, sometimes that might help him find his find his normal location again. But just generally going out and walking around, calling him um, and making sure that you're there for the evening should he wish to pop back. But just let your neighbours know that he's, let's say, on the loose and, and on the missing list. Um, just and to check sheds. Check, I remember I had a cat went missing for nearly three yeah. days and it ended up getting, somehow getting locked into a neighbour's shed and wasn't spotted yeah. for, for nearly three days. So you need to, at, at six months of it, it's a young cat. Would it be, is it too early to be off on the tiles? not necessarily they'd be getting to that age where they might be getting a little bit more adventurous okay all right okay it's the first thing i thought of that he's 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 found the ladies okay um get and if and if you haven't him neutered uh, get him neutered as soon as he gets back martin into hollow uh, labrador ear is bleeding for no reason now the dog has been scratching at his ear a lot uh, he's an eight-year-old neutered dog. What would be causing this? Because I'm assuming the scratching is causing the bleeding. Is it? Oh, Could it be? Yeah. Okay. My my heart goes out to this little dog. Um, I take him to the vet. In summary, it could be a number of things. There could be something stuck there. It could be a very nasty ear infection. It could be ear mites. If he's scratching him so much that he's bleeding, he definitely needs to go to the vet ASAP. So I wouldn't hesitate. It's like ourselves if we had an earache or a scratch or a wound. It's really sore. Sometimes it can be that whatever is causing it can be causing the bleeding, but sometimes the pain can be just so intense that they they self-inflict further trauma. So I think get to the vet ASAP is what I'd say. Okay, and a wildlife question. Marie in Cove has a hedgehog. She feeds him in the shed every night. Now he's using the shed as a toilet. If she feeds him outside, she finds the food goes soggy in the rain. That's why she'd been putting the food into the shed. The wee is smelling very strongly, by all accounts. Is there any way to yeah. discourage him from urinating inside in the shed? Oh, not really, unfortunately. They don't have a great deal of kind of control or, or knowledge of where they should and shouldn't go. Um, well done for feeding him. And um, a particularly hedgehog population in this country is not great at the moment because, you know, I suppose, and particularly coming into the winter, um, if they haven't gained a lot of weight, they can really begin to struggle. One thing I'd suggest is maybe, quite rightly, you've tried feeding him outside, but I understand the food gets soggy. If you could find some little kind of sheltered area or build him like a little mini hedgehog house. If you have a look online as well, I remember one of my friends had hedgehogs in their garden and they managed to get a little purpose-made hedgehog house. So if you can train him to eat in there, he might, let's say, have the food sheltered so it doesn't get soggy, but he might be able to do his business outdoors where it's less less bothersome. But um, even just a covered sheltered area with the food in, if it was outdoors, that might be a, a good solution. Yeah, because he's going to where the food is and that's the exactly. that's the problem. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He's, he's kind of tempted to use that as a safe place, which quite rightly it is. He's getting the snacks, which is probably keeping him going. Um, but he probably doesn't realise how, how rude it is of him to, to wee in that area. And what do you feed a hedgehog if you've got one in the garden? Oh, goodness. They, they eat all kinds of things, insects, all that kind of jazz. I suppose classically what a lot of people tend to feed them is cat food. Now, I can't attest to how good or bad that is for them, really. My hedgehog knowledge is a little bit limited, okay. I must admit, but I can try and find you the answer for next Yeah, week please do, please do, because particularly okay. if there's a problem with the hedgehog population, see if we can do our bit, uh, because they're fantastic yeah. if you have hedgehogs in your garden, fantastic for keeping the slug population down and you don't have to put yeah. on those awful slug pellets that can go on and kill birds and something we can exactly. do for the wildlife. Okay, and Chris yeah. in uh, Newmarket, could you ask Jane, please, if the own brand, the supermarket own brand pouches are as 
healthy for cats as, say, the other ones, the branded ones that are more expensive? Generally, no. And this is a broad sweeping statement. With cat and dog food, I hate to say it, you generally get what you pay for. Um, Very much, let's say the more expensive foods, particularly the ones that might come from kind of pet or or vet retailers. Like I know in our own practices, I won't stock anything that hasn't been what's called AFCO tested, which means that it's it's kind of safe to build a healthy skeleton and, and safe for kind of leading a normal life in dogs and cats. Generally, most of the supermarket foods that I'd be aware of haven't gone through that kind of rigorous testing. So it's a little bit more hit and miss and there generally may not be as stringent um, with testing to see if what's on the back of the pack is what's actually in the bag. So I think if you're in any doubt, have a chat with your local vet because they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Or if you know the particular brand that you're using, they might be able to have a look at the back of the pack and try and guide you as best they can. Okay. All right. Yeah, you get what you pay for, I suppose. All right, uh, Jane, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat again next week. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Have a- Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.